You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 214, covering statistical probabilities and the magnificent Ferengi with Kevin Lynch. Hi friends, friend Flonk is joining us this time. Hola amigos, como estas? Hi Hi, Flonk. Speaking your foreignness. Me amo es Flonk. Are you going to do the whole episode in Spanish? I would be really impressed if you did. Si. Me too, actually. <laughs> so this week we have... Um, Two episodes. Uh, yep, we sure do. <laughs> well, I liked one of them. I, but Matt, what do you? What is your overall opinion? I, I, I thought they were both pretty weak. They both, they, okay. they both had some... some uh, high points for the most part they were not great that is how i feel as well I, so flunk you're wrong that is how i feel about the first one yeah uh, fair enough well let's let's hear about it then won't we let's right. hear about statistical probabilities let me tell you about the statistical probability probab- help yeah. that's why i very carefully uh enunciated that because i knew that was going to happen <laughs> all right So Julian receives a visit from a group of less-than-perfect fellow genetically altered guys from the Starfleet Institute of Bad Actors. There's Patrick, the little fat guy who really needs to buy clothes that don't make him look like the penguin in his underwear. Lauren, apparently I had to look that one up, the sex-starved lady who spends more time on her couch than hedonism bought. Serena, the one who doesn't talk. And Jack, the one who can't fucking shut up and desperately wishes that he could have been in that live staging of Peter Pan from last Christmas. Anyway, they all come to stay with Julian so that they can see what a genetically altered guy with his shit together can do. Which is mostly look dashing and act smug, which is definitely something to aspire to, I suppose. In an effort to capture their interest, Julian starts telling them about the war, and the SIBA actually start making excellent and useful observations. Julian joins in, and the five of them soon start sending useful intellect to Starfleet Intelligence. The good news starts making Julian more and more insufferable, and he and Chief O'Brien start fighting, which makes me cry. Good times turn to bad, however, when the gang realizes that there's no way the Federation can possibly win the war and start recommending that Starfleet surrender. Oddly enough, nobody else seems to think that this is such a great idea, so Jack offers to start mailing Federation secrets to the Dominion. When Julian protests that this might be seen as some light treason, Jack decks him and ties him to a chair like so much Lois Lane. Luckily, he escapes with the help of the love-struck Serena, because of course she fucking is, and they manage to stop the SIBAs before they can leak any vital information, leaving an awkward Wayun and Damar waiting in an abandoned cargo bay well into the night. Damar teaches Wayun how to play marbles. That sounds like <laughs> one of those TNG Season 8 Twitter things. <laughs> also, I believe you mean Gull Damar. Oh yes, that's right, he's a Gull now. Gull Damar? Gull Good for him. Yeah. So here, here is a thing. Occasionally I hear from listeners uh, via Twitter, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly the ones who are watching along with us and somebody, I don't remember who off the top of my head. I apologize. Whoever it was. I don't remember who said this uh, and said, please tell me all of these guys, particularly fast talking guy die at the end of this episode because I can't stand it see this again and i said nope in fact they come back in season seven so they do indeed i was really hoping this episode would end with jack putting a phaser in his mouth (laughs) i saw your note i was wondering if you meant 
because you hated him or because you thought that was what the character no i just that's just what i was hoping would happen the the couch would get set on fire somebody's head would explode an anvil would fall on the fat guy (laughs) dong the fat man child oh god yeah sad santa in in a onesie in a gray onesie uh there's a look we yeah. realized he had a very much of an older, fatter Mr. Hengus look about him. Yep, this is what this is what happened to Mr. Hengus, if you've all been wondering. I thought he turned into Jack the Ripper and then they killed him. Well, what actually this happened was, later. was he went into hiding and went insane. Oh, that's fine. And then he moved into a chick who likes sex and this other he guy. He moved into a chick that likes sex? Apparently. Alright. Yes, this is, this is where I will build. <laughs> Is this is did she like sex? Was that her thing? I didn't really get. I that thought that was her deal. She was super seductive. I'm. I'm well, being... she was written that way. I don't know if it necessarily came out in the performance, but and really, yeah. So really, just more came across as relaxing on a couch. <laughs> she really liked that couch. Well, let's. Uh, that gets to one of your points, doesn't it? Sure does. My bad thing. So, uh, Sex Girl has this sexy couch that she spends all the entire episode lounging upon, and after the third or fourth time I saw it, it just made me angrier and angrier. Get a chair! Take a walk! You don't have to lie down the entire time! Ugh, I'm so tired from all this lounging I did earlier. Just need to stretch out for a few minutes! Oh, you forget, though. There's one time she gets up in the insufferably yeah, long the dance scene. number. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah this episode Let's... has a dance sequence, if you were wondering. The thing is, next week we will cover an episode called Waltz. You would think that this would be the place for that. Computer, I'll play a waltz. And then they just start playing that episode. Yep. (laughs) Oh, good. This is a much more entertaining episode than the one we're currently in. We'll just watch this. I don't even remember what episode that is, but you're probably right. Mm -hmm. The thing is, this is my good thing. I actually do like this general concept. Mm. I like that... Genetically engineered guys, genetically enhanced, whatever whatever they are. Yeah. Genetically engineered feels like something you do before someone's born, and this was a thing that was done to them after they were born, so genetically engineered doesn't feel like the right... No, enhanced is probably more... Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's eugenics. Yeah. No, eugenics is selective breeding, <laughs> Yeah, damn you know, it. the selective breeding after the person is born. <laughs> they mentioned that again. Mm-hmm. Proving that they still don't know what eugenics... Eugenics is what we do with dogs now. Mm-hmm. We we choose traits we like and we breed them like that's that's all. Anyway, no, I the, the general concept that these guys who have these superhuman abilities they do a really good job of showing us what they can do. Yeah, there's a really cool scene where they can pick up this high pitched whine in the room that that like Chief O'Brien can't hear because he's got normal human ears, and it's cool. It shows that these guys can perceive things that normal people can't and it's like it's almost like magic powers but it's within the realm of plausible science yeah and i like that i also like the scene where they're watching uh damar do uh doing his state of the union address and they're uh they're all reading his like micro expressions and stuff yeah and it's all stuff you could really pick up if you come if, if you had this you know mm-hmm. far-seeing ability but your average person even like an intel officer probably couldn't but yeah. you know like like if there's if there's such a thing as a secret star wing of Starfleet intelligence, which I I can't. Nah, it doesn't sound like something the Starfleet would do. No, but I I imagine they must be pouring over this footage, and they probably can't yeah. see the stuff, but these guys can. And I, it's cool getting them all together. Seems like a good idea. <laughs> probably not. No, no. Because between all of them, they can they can, you know like put all the pieces together and it's kind of terrifying in yeah. a way. And I like, I like that. And like the concept too, like the idea that now that Julian's sort of out as a, as a genetically enhanced, 
and he sort of wants to, you know, connect now, with his people like, for lack of yeah, exactly. Term. He wants to. He's, well, he's kind of he kind of straddles both worlds. Yeah, but because he can pass. Yeah, but he's also still one of them. But I like I like when he's sort of it, it's in the middle of the episode and he sort of breaks away to go talk to uh, Chief O'Brien for a little while, and he's just like it's it's so weird finally talking to people who can keep up with me. Yep. Like it's a cool idea that we don't really see here. No, and and this. and he he plays up the arrogance, which really that's the only way to do that, because mm-hmm. there's no subtle way to say they can keep up with me. So instead, he just sort of playfully, mockingly because plays I'm better up than the you. arrogance, right? And makes it a joke, yeah. which is that that's the way to do that. that's the way to play it. Well, so good on him. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really want to put it put too fine a point on it, but we've taken to calling you guys normies. <laughs> It's it's a. It, I came up really with this new idea. word for you guys, muggles. <laughs> I, well, look, we'll either call you gimmies or ghosts. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh god damn it! <laughs> I but yeah, again, it's a cool idea. It's pretty much just entirely ruined by my bad thing, mm-hmm. the overacting, and Whoa. all of them except for the silent chick, who doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. are just not good. No. Particularly the main guy Jack, who just every everything he says is really fast, and then he goes <laughs> at the end of everything, and, oh, and he talks in poems watched... sometimes. Ugh, he's the yep. worst. Yeah, it. I watch these with subtitles on because just to make sure I pick up on everything while I'm yeah. writing my notes and stuff. It's even more insufferable because they write out each. Hmm? So you'll be reading along and it'll be like, and I went to the store. <laughs> so maybe we are unfairly putting all this on the actors. Maybe part of it, like. Because I thought that was an acting choice, but if that's in the script, then this yeah. guy probably did the best he could with it, and maybe it's not entirely his fault. Yeah, I don't know. Or, I don't know, maybe that's not based on the script, maybe it's a transcript. Yeah, of I have say. no idea how they do the subtitles yeah, on, uh, on sure. Netflix, or the it's, DVD. Don't it's interesting, it on Netflix. It is interesting. I'm, but, in any case, he's just annoying as fuck. Oh, God. And Sex Chick is just way too amped up with, like... Oh, well, I could put that in my vagina. Just dial it down, Jesus. Like, she just about comes out and says stuff like that. It's yeah. awful. Just not not good. And then, uh, what, what, who's the other one? Oh, the, 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 the old, uh, old Hengus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A fat old Master. man who's either super happy or super sad at any given yeah. moment. But he's got that. Hengus. He's got that look. He's got that, like, man-child uh-huh. Like, uh, yeah. And he then tra- he tries to put a party hat on to uh, Chief O'Brien, and Chief uh, O'Brien makes him cry. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. ugh. Well, this is what happens when you try to put a hat on the chief. He's not a yeah, hat I, guy. Yeah. No. Guess what? He's not I also guy. don't want to wear a party hat. They're it's, really dumb. But really, and, and then Bashir's like, what did you do? Well, let's see. He's mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. And I interacted with him in any meaningful way. What do you think is going to happen? These guys are just, they're not good at being social. That's their thing. And I mean, that's the, that when we, that sort of is the cool thing about their whole, like, thing. Yeah, again, the concept is a cool idea. Like, yeah, yeah, they would be sort of misfits or whatever. But like, I like the, I like that that's sort of the downfall of their, their plans to, uh, yeah, sort of figure out how the war is working out. There's also the last one, which we didn't really talk about because she doesn't really do anything. And it's like it's a really obnoxious cliche with that, too, of like the super smart uh, girl who doesn't say anything and just stares off to the distance, but can actually solve all the problems. Uh huh. 
Well, you you yeah, came up with she the was kind of cute in a little I'll never tell kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> I also I was really pissed off that it it turned that the only reason she ends up helping Julian is because she was in love with Bashir or I... uh, uh, Jack. Oh, she was in love with Jack. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought she was in love with Julian. No, no, she makes a uh, Bashir makes a point of saying like I I've seen the way you look at him when you when you don't think anyone's looking at you. You oh. love him. Oh, that's stupid. It that's... is stupid. It fucking bugged the hell out of me. It's like you no, know. I thought she fell in love with Bashir, which would bug me a little bit, but at no. least he's charming and new. No, it just it came out of nowhere, and it was like he's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. just the fact that it's like, well, people are gonna die, but. The important thing is that this guy is going to be mad at you. It's like, ugh. okay, so but let's let's talk about this premise a bit. Why, why is Bashir not like these guys? What is different about him that made him turn out okay? Is it just luck of the draw, or is there something special? About I think it? Was based, yeah, like his parents paid for the good surgery, basically. Yeah, they got oh. a they got a competent doctor. Ah, okay. Is basically I, what happened, and I mean the other thing is like this stuff is really. Like it's, it well, I imagine it's really an, sketchy. Yeah, even in the 24th century, I imagine the brain is not a like an exact, you know. Yeah, like you're rewriting, you're rewriting DNA or whatever. Like, yeah, the but particularly, particularly the enhancements when it comes to your mind. Mm-hmm. I imagine they don't completely understand the mind even then. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a slab of meat that dictates everything you you are and know. It's it's hard yeah. to comprehend that. You know, let's well, like, just. Uh, Get a silly straw and shove it in there and swirl it around a bit and see what ah, happens. Ah, God. Brain stuff is one of those, like, things that genuinely creeps me uh. out. Like, yeah. Just in a movie, if somebody's, like, fucking with somebody's brain, it just, it really gets to me. Uh. I don't know what it is. But, so it's, that's that's it. He just got the good surgery. Yeah, he just, yeah. It, it just happened to work out for him. Huh. I get the so. feeling there's probably more like him around, but they haven't been found yet, so. Yeah. They make such a big deal out of it being illegal, though. It's strange that they don't scan for it somehow. I imagine that's one of those things that, like, it's a privacy invasion thing. Because humans are better than that, and the human condition is to suffer, so no one would be intentionally going out and doing that sort of thing anymore. Actually, if you're gonna, well, thanks, if you're, Gene. If you're gonna go Gene's vision with it, it would probably be more like the the entire human race is on the honor system. Yeah, that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> because we trust everyone to do the right thing. That that just seems like a very Gene like Star Trekky kind of thing. Come on, guys, let's all work together. Fuck that guy. Oh God! Just a a side note, real quick. I've been I've been reading that uh, these are the voyages book, the, uh-huh. the behind the scenes thing. Um, first, very very exhaustive to the point where it's a bit tedious. It, where you're exhausted. Uh-huh. Yeah, like there's a lot of good stuff in here. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I have to skip a lot of the. Like, and on September 6th, they filmed the episode. On September 8th, like, I don't care about that. Tell me interesting stories. But there's this whole sequence of uh, Gene Roddenberry was such a slob. Gene Roddenberry would pit out a suit the minute he put one on. There's like five different quotes from people talking about what a, what a horrible slob he was. It was the, the, hilarious. The first thing I noticed about Gene the dad met him was the giant egg yolk that had just been splattered across his tie. <laughs> yeah, and just a rumpled sweater vest and shorts. Yeah, I, it's, it was really surprising because they were kind of kissing his ass up to this point, and suddenly there was like these five quotes in a row from like I don't know other producers like DC Fontana, like all these major people just talking about how horrible he was. <laughs> Weird. 
Anyway, uh, Matt, what was your good thing? I like Jack's little mustache. Really? Yeah. All right. It was nice. Just no. the mustache or like the soul patch? No, no, like no. Combo. Just the mustache. I didn't like the soul patch. I didn't like the chin dot. I didn't like any of that crap. Okay. But the mustache was a delight. Really? Very nice. If I could okay. grow one. He See, I thought he looked like an internet douchebag. He had very tussleable I, hair. Yep. In a good way? In a, like, yeah, a, like, oh, yeah, you like just come up and just yeah, grab his head and give him a little shake. Huh. All right. Why are you touching my head? <laughs> yeah, he just... He well, that's I wouldn't because I'm afraid he would bite me, but... Oh, no, he would definitely bite you. He struck me as the type of guy, just looking at him, who would put on a trilby and call you m'lady. And, yep. No, and, definitely. And, you know, oh, yeah. Be a men's rights activist and all that. But uh, the little mustache by itself, that would have been fun. All right. Uh, I, I also... I was going to mention in my bad thing how bad an idea I thought promoting DeMar to the head of the Cardassians was, <laughs> but um, he really does make the perfect puppet for uh, Wayun and the Dominion, doesn't he? Well, that's that. a lot of stories progress that way, where you have the really charismatic guy who really fails and then okay no we're not doing that again mm -hmm. we need somebody completely malleable next time yeah, yeah. let's get the guy who comes into a peace conference by shoving uh, his uh other person out of the way <laughs> well this this feeds into your good thing doesn't it Flon? yes uh there's some great acting from casey biggs when demar is making his uh big state of the union speech yeah. it's um it's typical strong leader stuff and, and he's doing that fine but there's just a tiny hint of fear and regret in his eyes, and you wouldn't even notice it if you weren't looking for it. Um, but you are, since well, we they, the, they, they're you know, pointing it out to us. Yeah, we have these genetic guys like picking it apart and saying, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And, and yeah, you're starting to notice it. And that guy has to act really well to pull off all the stuff they're saying, and he yeah. totally does. Especially yeah, with all the makeup on, too. Like You can't rely yeah. on just your normal face to do it. You have to kind of exaggerate to get it through the makeup. Yeah, but it's still got to be subtle. Like, you got to exaggerate and be subtle at the same time. Yeah. Not easy. Now, anybody who can pull off, like, that complex physical stuff under, like, the really elaborate, like, Cardassian or Ferengi makeup is always really impressive to me. I always like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 this guy... This is a really good example of it. Yeah. We talked about this the first time Damar showed up. Like, this guy's going to be a big deal, and then he just wasn't for a long time. Like, nope. I didn't remember that, but... Uh, yeah, now now he's really starting to be a major player, and uh, he totally deserves to be up there with with all these other guys. He's great. There's a there's a scene where uh, Wayun comes in on him. He's going over uh, pads or something, and my notes are like, "That is a giant glass of canard there, Demar." I, oh wait, oh I'm sorry, that's a vase. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already heard a bit about his drinking. Mm -hmm. He's a fan. Yeah, and without spoiling any plot. That that will come up again. We will continue to, to hear a lot about it. Yes, there's a if if you're familiar with Tony Stark in 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 the comics, just just let's just say some great men have have trouble with with substances, mm -hmm. and some not so great men. <laughs> well, I mean, he's the leader of Cardassia. Yeah, but he's not great. Well, okay, he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Racist. <laughs> oh. I also want to talk... I, this almost made it into my bad thing, but I, I left it out because it made me laugh. Mm. I love the idea of of uh, him and Wayun having to go on a caper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Like... What, like toward the end of the episode when they're uh, meeting up with at these the guys? The they're gonna meet up. they're going to meet up with uh, Jack, and, uh, Jack and Company. Like, I imagine and... them, like, in the cargo bay with, like, fake mustaches on looking over the newspaper. Like, like, with, with trench coats and yeah. fedoras? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Damar even says, "Why am I doing this? I am the head of Cardassia." And Wayne's just like, "Shut up and do Quite what I you. tell you." 
yeah, you're you, you are, but you serve at our pleasure and you do what I say, and I say we're going on this adventure. It's like the two most important guys in the entire on the entire, in the entire st- quadri- yeah, yeah. As far and they're as they're fucking hiding, going on a keeper. They're yep. fucking hiding in a crate. The only thing that would be better is if they brought female changeling along with them. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, all three of them poke their heads out from a car, from a from a uh, crate. <laughs> well, that'll come up in the next episode. Do 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 do. So really, let's talk about the 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 main thing that happens, which is these guys just run all the numbers and realize there is no possible way the Federation's going to win this war. Yeah. Like we haven't really touched on that very much yet. And well, that's... it's that um, they talk about this in the on uh, Memory Alpha. It's like uh, I forget what it's called, but uh, Isaac Asimov apparently wrote a couple. Oh, of the books Foundation. About it. Yeah. yeah, I've I've read that actually. I read that story where that happened, where they use just elaborate statistical modeling and so forth to predict the future, basically. Mm-hmm. Like the concept is really good. Yeah, and it also has a very Star Trek thing of it's like yes, you ran the numbers, but you didn't take into account the human condition. Well, Spock was all the time being slapped down for that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, your simulation says that, Spock, but yeah. damn it, I'm Captain Kirk, and I'll figure out a way. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what this is, just on a bigger scale. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah, you guys are right, but... Yeah, it's like a weather even... report where you, you can figure yeah. out what you're doing the next day, but you can't figure out anything farther than that because there's just too many yeah. variables. Yeah, you can't prepare for the next snowstorm because you, you don't know until it's right on you. Yeah. Like, that's just the way it goes. That's the thing. Their data's good and it's useful, but I mean, like, it gets less and less useful the further out they get. Right. Which and... is the exact opposite of what Julian's telling Cisco. Yep. And it's really interesting The um, when he goes through the entire scenario. Mm-hmm. He's like, we think that within, I don't remember how long it was, not very long, 18 months or something, the, the Dominion will take over, but... Then, eventually, a rebellion will happen. It'll start on Earth, it'll spread out, and then we'll have peace for a thousand years. Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's a cool... Like, that seems plausible. It seems like it fits historical precedent. You yeah. can see that happening. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it makes sense in the terms of the patterns of history and yeah. stuff. And I just like... I like them taking the very, very uh, wide view of like. No, but listen, in a thousand years, everything's going to be great. Yeah. And then it'll be great, like, forever. Yeah. I but just figured then, Julian was so eager to surrender because he's just so very French. Yeah, he is pretty French. Sacre bleu. I mean, he's constantly going down the pub for a pint. Yeah, just like all the <laughs> just, French people do in Star Trek. Just, yes, oh, yeah. exactly. Um, But yeah, just overall, I like that idea. And then the fact is, they can't even go to a different part of the same building and meet two guys to tell them some stuff without something going wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, they, there's just too many variables and they can't account for them all. Yeah. Which I like. I like that. It, you're right. That you're both right. That is very Star Trek, mm-hmm. and it's very cool. I also like the idea that, like, not only that they can't, uh, that they uh, that they can't see the sort of human influence that's going to be on on the war, but also mm-hmm. the fact that, like, we're also getting into a whole the whole like wormhole aliens profit stuff. That's true too. Like, there's the human factor, but then there's also this completely unpredictable factor of these very very alien aliens. Yeah, that was my that was my working theory my first time through DS Nine. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they didn't see that coming. No, but we we three know what's coming ahead, and there are things that there are a lot of variables that didn't get taken yeah. into account. Yeah, that yeah. they can't predict that will that will change. Like the war is going to be bleak for a good long time. They're right about that. The Federation is losing. Yeah, which I like. I like overall. I like that. I like that these guys have pointed out something that maybe not your average Federation citizen knows. Well, that's and not to to get into it, but that's part of like. It's desperate times. Call for desperate measures. Right. 
and but the thing is, I don't think like your average guy, like I don't think uh, Papa Cisco, for instance, has any clue that the war is going really badly. No. Um, like later, there's a couple of things that happen. Right, but but right now they probably think, oh well, it, it's fine. Starfleet's got it handled. We'll yeah, be all right. It's it's over there too. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is but on the other end of the of the territory. Yeah. Right. Exactly, and the military guys see the reality of it that the that the average guys just don't yeah, see. Yeah, this yet. is not good. Yeah. At all. Nope. Also, in this episode, I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec recently, and I had this weird idea, and Matt, you never got far enough in Parks to, to know this, but Flonk... Yeah, I'm 100% on board with this analogy. Wei-Yoon being Chris Traeger, being uh, Rob Lowe's character, just uh, enthusiastic Wei-Yoon, not turns on a dime and becomes, like, you know, really Creepy sinister. Scary Wei-Yoon. Yeah, but, but walking on the station, Garen Arise, you know, just, like, really this happy and excited. This is literally the best space station in the entire galaxy. Odo, you literally honor me with your presence. <laughs> just just perfect. He waves a tricorner over his face. You are completely healthy. <laughs> aren't you aren't you worried that thing's giving you cancer? <laughs> well I am now. <laughs> um anyway, that's that's all I had. What about you guys? Uh what else? Um, this is my bad thing. Uh, we've talked about this in the past, but man, uh, do they, does this episode prove it? There are way too many goddamn pads on this show. I agree yeah. that I think they were going for the visual effect of Cisco being overwhelmed by all the data, and it's easy to represent that visually by showing him holding a bunch well, of Well, and then there's also... No, you just have a screen with, with data on it going faster and faster and faster and faster as it keeps on giving yeah. you more yeah, information. I guess that's true. No, but there's also the scene where they're, they're back in the, uh the fucking cargo deck where they're keeping these guys, which... Yeah, these guys live in the closet. Yeah, it's like you yeah. couldn't get them quarters or something. Nah. I don't think there's quarters big enough to hold four guys is the thing. Well, that, the, I think the, that's what it's supposed to be. The reality was it was supposed to be in the wardroom, but they couldn't film it in there because there are too many people, so they put them in a cargo bay. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Anyway... Um, so there's a scene where they're all, they're, they, they're sit they're all at the table, and there's just like 15 pads all laid out in front of them. It's like, maybe one pad. Well, but see, again, I think visually it tells us they're crunching a lot of numbers, there's a lot of information happening. Yes, it's ridiculous now in 2015, because the technology's already gotten better. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like a lot of stuff we see on the original series, where it's like, ha, how did they not see this coming in the 60s? Oh, well, you know. She's got a clipboard and a pen. Doors ah. that opened by themselves in the sixties were a big deal. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm willing to forgive them that. It is silly, but you know. Also, at this current moment, I cannot look at two different screens from two different apps on my iPad at the same time. So there is that. Well, then you clearly we are not living in the best possible future. I maybe that's a thing on like the Android tablets or whatever, though. I don't know. Mm. I think it's Windows actually does that. I would I would imagine so if it works like Windows, yeah, that might, that would make sense. Uh, Matt, you got a quote for us? Yes, I do. The chief doesn't like any of us, do you, chief? Julian, uh, he's just jealous you're spending so much time with us. His wife's away. He misses his friend. I do not. It's all right, Julian. Go play with your friend. We'll be fine. You want me to play with you, do you, chief? That was adorable. I just love. That entire scene is great. Is that yeah, what it, it is, is, Chief? Do you want me to come and play? No, Julian's quite good in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Julian walks the line like he could have just been properly an arrogant prick, but instead oh, yeah. he kind of leans into it and and you know. No, he's sort of he, he's sort of he's sort of having fun with it, you know. It's like, yeah. yes, well, I'm smarter than everyone. I might as well let you all know. But he's also like, finally, I'm among my own kind. Oh, my own kind are kind of terrible. I could probably do better. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm friends with Chief O'Brien, because, oh. Salt of the earth, that one. I you keep me grounded, Chief, with this. your normalness. And your what was bland. that he called you? Uncomplicated. That was it, uncomplicated, yeah. Ah, that's fantastic. Well, fuck you too, Julian. How about that? Look, you go stand over there in the Klingon restaurant when you're throwing your darts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do a good Irish accent, but I could totally say darts. 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 Uh, anything else? Not here in the pub. Any further business before we move on to the other one? I believe mm-hmm. we can move on to the other one. Very well. Flonk, take it away with the magnificent Ferengi. Alright, uh, Quirk has finally achieved his lifelong dream of becoming a syrup baron, proving that in the 24th century, Canada has lost its iron grip on big syrup. But his time on top, but his time on top is short-lived when he receives word that Moogie has been kidnapped by the Dominion. Quirk puts together a crack commando team to save her. Rom, the tech guy. Nog, the strategist. Lek, the muscle. Galo, the moon haver. Now all they need is a ship. Enter ex-liquidator brunt, formerly of the FCA. It seems old Brunt has fallen on hard times, and he figured that saving the Nagus' girlfriend would help get him his old job back. And so the group sets off for glory and honor and 20 bars of gold-pressed latinum. The plan is to storm the prison and bust Moogie out, and they quickly realize that this is a bad idea. They're Ferengi. They should find something the Dominion needs and make a trade, just like any other business deal. Enter the Vorda Kievan. Remember this guy? The douchiest member of a, douche, of a race specifically bred to be douches? Yeah, the Dominion wants him back so they can find out what precious secrets he told the Federation before killing him themselves. I mean, they've already got the next Kievan ready to go, but rules is rules. The trade will take place on the most neutral of cheap sets, Enpachnar, the <laughs> abandoned ghost station. Quark does some negotiating with Vorda Billy Idol, and everything is ready to go until Rom lets it slip that the reward is actually 50 bars of Latinum, not 20. The Ferengi squabble, squabble among themselves, and in the ensuing, ensuing mayhem, Kievan is killed. Fortunately, using technology developed over a weekend on the planet Bernie, they're able to make it look like Kievan is still alive. The ruse works, Moogie is saved, and Sid Vicious is taken prisoner. Not a bad profit for a day's work. I love it when a ruse works. By clever ruse. <laughs> Uh, so we we should at least clarify that it it's not in fact Billy Idol or Sid Vicious. No, it, it, yeah. Wait, no. Who is it? It's Iggy Pop. That's it, Iggy Pop. And unfortunately, I think the three of us are not old enough to exactly know who that is. But I think we all. Uh, yeah, I know the name, but I don't know yeah. anything beyond that. Yeah. No, I I'm aware of sort of vaguely what he like what he represents, and I know he's a friend of Billy uh, Billy Joel's. Yes, no, David Bowie's. He was the original panel man. Yeah, of course. I'm Miss Original. I get Billy Joel and, and David Bowie confused all the time. Oh, they're they're very similar. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. My brain just like, ah. Uh, no, you're like, having a heart attack. Al, you're working too hard. Oh, well, yeah, I've I've been accused of that. Uh but I no, I know he was sort of like in in David Bowie's sort of inner circle. I know he's sort of a punk guy, but I'm I'm not super familiar with his with his stuff, unfortunately. But he was fantastic. 
He had a great presence. Yeah. Oh, He's God, got a, yeah, kind of did. a weird look and a great voice. He's yeah, he got uh, kind of a weird face, thing. but that works really well with the makeup. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah, that his was voice good, that was my good thing. Yeah, that dude is fantastic. Just that voice from the second he appears, it's the sort of, like, really deep, really non voice. Well, it's like voice. a Johnny Cash sort of musical baritone kind of. That's right. How you doing? I'm here to hold on to your moogie. Yep. <laughs> God. Get my movie. Get a firm grip on your moogie. <laughs> Send some Jem'Hadar after you. Oh, you mean some Jem'Hadar? <laughs> Keep them away from Bejor. <laughs> Major. It's, uh... Th- this was I not one of my favorites. There I'm, were know. flaws in this one. Flunk liked this one a great deal. To the I did, I enjoyed it. Was, it was fun. Okay, well, let's let's hear let's hear it. No, I like, just, I just, I, it was a fun little adventure. You, you got the whole gang together, all, all either Frangi, um, just about, and then yeah, they went, they went off and had an adventure. It was, it was, it was fun. Okay. Yeah. I, I had the problem with this that I have with so many of the Frangi episodes, which is I thought the co- the comedy was very, very broad, and some of it worked and some of it didn't. The Rom clonking into things constantly. Well, yeah, that's my bad thing. Okay, well... I'm actually here. pretty surprised that you didn't pick this one, but Rom takes a huge step back in, in this episode. Like, he goes from the actually pretty good Rom of the last few episodes, the guy who built the self-replicating cloaked mines, you know, the guy who's working for the Federation, the guy who's friends with Chief O'Brien, and went mm-hmm. back to the, duh, brother, duh. Yeah, at least twice he just smacks his head directly into something. Yeah. It's like it's great. it's really embarrassing and sad. It's like well, come on, come on, dude, you're better than this now. You were damn is, hard to be better than this. I mean, yeah, we actually felt like okay, he could be married to Lita. That's cool. Yeah, and now we don't think that anymore. Like it even from the first time he shows up at the beginning of the episode, he it even this might be me, but he, it even sounds like he's working the Rom voice harder. Yeah, I actually that thought that too. That that was kind of a, a, a look at that as far as the voice goes. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and the Pratt falls and all, too. I mm-hmm. think it's just more, there's more of that than there. And I think the reason for that is because when you do a heist movie or when you do any kind of, like, getting a gang together, everyone has a role. And his role is sort of the bumbling guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's just, they, they he fit better into that than trying to create something new for him, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know. It's I don't like, know, like, I, I was reading on Memory Alpha, they, they liked that all these Ferengi <laughs> had appeared before, but I think they kind of cheated a little because one, the tough well, guy yeah. was like, a guy milling outside the Bajoran temple in one episode or something like that? That doesn't yeah. really count. Yeah, and also, um, for my bad thing, uh, they, while Sean was unavailable, so they couldn't get him, which would have been nice. Uh, that would have been that would have fixed a lot of problems what I had What was he episode. possibly busy doing? What does Wallace Shawn have to do that is more important than this? Pixar There's a party. Princess Bride reunion on, Quark! Uh, Princess Bride was in 1987, Matt. Reunion. Reunion. Uh. Okay. You gotta let me finish before you break out your kick-ass Nagus impression. <laughs> That's the only voice I could do, goddammit. <laughs> it's my only line. <laughs> I don't know. Like, the thing is, if they had kidnapped the actual Nagus, mm-hmm. that would have been a whole different episode, and then why would they send these these regular douchebags to go catch, a, you know, go recapture an important guy? Because like, you're the only really one I sense. can trust, Quark. Yeah, well, because it, it, would be, it wouldn't be a Federation matter. It would be an uh, internal Ferengi matter. Yeah, they have some kind of military. And then you can even not fire Brian. You can have him being the FCA representative that that is in charge of the mission. Mm. And he hires Quark because he thinks Quark's going to fuck it up. Yeah. 
maybe i don't know i just i feel like this is better because he's got more personal stakes like it's it's rom and quark's mother versus the leader of an entire empire of people see but here's the thing I think that, like, the Dominion is more likely to kidnap the leader of an entire people than the leader of an entire I, people's secret girlfriend. I agree with you there. I do agree with you there. But... It's just, like, yeah. that's sort of the big... The big flaw... Well, that's sort no. of the big flaw in the episode is that, like... <laughs> is that, like, they have to make it personal, but... Our mom's been kidnapped! Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there, but on the other hand, I was willing to like I was willing to forgive yeah, it. Yeah, it is also a comedy episode, so you can have kind of a stupider reason for you know. It and to again, get I think the stakes are more personal that way, and yeah. less like why are these on un- Like they've repeatedly said that Quark is not important. He's you know he's he owns a bar out in the middle of nowhere. He's not very successful. Most Ferengi look down on him mm-hmm. and. It would be unlikely that he would be involved in the rescue of the most important Ferengi. That well, except doesn't... for except for the Negus asking him for for him by name because he likes him. Wow! Well, like he's I used guess. Negus has used him for crap like this before. I guess it's 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 sat with me wrong in other episodes though. Mm. Like I still don't buy that he's important enough to you know. I don't. know. In any event, that I didn't particularly have a problem with that. I also my other thing with this episode is that because Wallace Shaw doesn't appear in the episode we don't see Quark getting the message. All we see is him delivering it. And so from the beginning of the episode, I thought it was a trick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm wait- like I spent the entire episode waiting for the other, the other shoe to drop. Mm. But nope, they played it completely straight. No, the Negus called, promise some money, we gotta go save Mom. Well, the, the thing is, like, I... The, the, the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta in this episode are really stupid and just fall for all the stupid shit that the, that the Ferengi throw at them. Oh, yeah. And I, so many things that you would expect to happen don't happen just because everyone's too dumb. Like, if the Ferengi had loaded Empachnor with the Home Alone-style traps, they probably would have won, too. Yeah, and it was already it already had them last time. Yeah. So you just, re, you know, reset them. All I gotta do is turn them back on, brother. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, whatever. And my bad thing, seriously, they accidentally kill their prisoner. Whoa, how wacky. And then they just walk him around by remote control. What is this, Spock's brain? <laughs> Guess which part was my favorite. That part? <laughs> yes, I loved it. Really? It was so dumb. Okay, but you admit that it's dumb. It was dumb. really That's good cool. physical comedy. You just thought it was, of just, okay. like, the guy, like, walking like a zombie and, and like, walking into the wall. It was really stupid, okay. but I liked it. I like, uh, I like Iggy Pop, so what did they do to you? <laughs> I just I have a hard time believing that a Vorta who is specifically bred to be the eyes, ears, and brain well, of the no, Dominion he's got really would bad fall eyes. for that for a second. Well, not literally eyes. No, just the ears and the brain of the Dominion. Okay, but he's still smart enough to figure this out pretty quickly, I would imagine. Hey, wait a minute. Why did you send away all my guards and then kill my guy anyway? Hey. This was the largest auto that I could afford. <laughs> We got really Can distracted. we talk about that for a second? We just started <laughs> we mapping spent a Simpsons good hour characters. and a half of that on this. Well, they're, they're two shows that have super extended casts, so it's a lot of fun imagining which Simpsons characters match up with which DS9 <laughs> characters. Because there's a lot to choose from in both shows. <laughs> no, that was absolutely delightful. Oh, God. definitely the high point of this episode for me. 
I just I don't want to take away from Flunk. Like Flunk genuinely likes this episode, so I don't want to just. Uh, I mean, it's not one of my favorite or top ten or anything. I just thought it was it was fine. It was fun. Fair enough. Well, I don't know. You get to pick whichever one you want, and you pick this one. And there's I think a lot it was just more the first one on the list that I recognized. So oh, fair it didn't have a weird poetic title. I'm like, oh, wait, well, I know what this one is. It's like, I'm look, honestly... it was this or Profit and Lace. I know what I picked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's another Ferengi episode coming this season that is Yeah, that not, one is not so good, yeah. Not as good as this one. I will, I will definitely say that. I'm really genuinely surprised that none of our regular guests picked any of those first six, like, serialized, you know, take the station back episode yeah no kidding it's but, the it's that problem again if no one knows what episodes are which yeah yeah, yeah there's a little bit of that although the magnificent ferengi is pretty pretty memorable yeah no, I'll give and actually that, but... actually so so is statistical probability that like, one caught me completely off guard because oh, uh, no. uh, as soon as the episode starts it starts with you seeing uh the guys and oh, my first note is like oh come on this one yeah no i knew what it was and honestly because I know these guys come back, I thought the second episode about them was about them discovering that we're going to lose the war, and like, well, wait, what happens in the other one then? Wait, I don't so know anything. So, no, so yeah, the, this, the other one is, I think that's where more, because, like you said, we like the premise of, of the, let's go back to the other yeah. episode, but we like the premise and not necessarily the execution with the characters, mm-hmm. and I think in the other episode, there isn't even a we good spend, premise, so. They spend more time with the characters. Yeah. We like these guys. Let's get to know them better. No, we didn't like those guys. Oh, boy. Yeah. But that's not the one we're talking about. Um, My good thing about this was, okay, this is a broad comedy scene, but I just like the way it played out. And a lot of this has to do with Avery Brooks. Actually, this has to do with all three of the people involved. There's a scene where the, the long exposition scene and to the credit of the writing and the directing, they made like making exposition scenes interesting is always a challenge. You don't want to just have two people standing there giving you information that's that's boring. No, no one's a fan of talking head scenes. No, and yeah. that's why, like, in Next Gen, you'd always have Jordy and Data doing or, a thing. Yeah, they, they, based, they did a, a West Wing walk and talk, um, yes. except uh, in this, some... they were in a, in a Jeffrey's tube. I don't even think they were in Jeffrey's tubes. I think they were actually in, like, the air ducts because they crawled out of a thing I don't think you're supposed to crawl out of. Like, the Jeffrey's tubes are, are deliberately access corridors, and I think they were somewhere they weren't supposed to be. Because they end up popping out of Cisco's wall <laughs> in his office. And Cisco, this is just perfect deadpan by, by Avery Brooks, just looks over. And they go, hi, I think we took a wrong turn. I think you did. I knew we should have taken that left turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is very much how it plays. Like a, like a Bugs Bunny moment. And just, just Avery Brooks, like, looking looking annoyed and, and firm and a little angry, but also just kind of like, oh, you too. <laughs> Seriously, I, I would have been overjoyed if that was his only appearance in the episode. Yeah. I think we better go. I think that is true. <laughs> Just perfect. Also, Al, what was he doing before they came in? Hmm? Uh, oh, yeah, he was, he was doing that uh, David Putty just staring off into space thing. <laughs> I love the idea that that's what Cisco does with his spare time. He just sits down in his office and stares into space. I mean, and, and my, my... I was knee... thinking about witchy woman. Oh, which a woman, of course. <laughs> I, my my need to explain things just makes me think. No, no he's he's got profit stuff going on in there, but no, no, I don't think so. No, if you peered into his head, you know what you'd see: one, two, <laughs> four. Damn Come it, on, Ben, you can do this. I'll get it someday. <laughs> or as Flunk suggested, five thousand three hundred seventy. Just... Fuck. 
or as Flung suggested, he's just replaying old like baseball games. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got the twenty two seventeen World Series going on in his head right now. Right. Making up um, songs about uh, about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I'm Benjamin Sisko. I'm sitting alone in my office, staring into space. <laughs> Soon I'll go downstairs and see Kira, and then we'll go and get a drink. <laughs> Pretty good. Thank you. Uh, Flunk, what was your good thing? Uh, I really like Nog in this. Uh, at first, he doesn't want to go along because of his commitment to Starfleet. Um, but Quark appeals to his vanity to get him to go along, and he takes the job way too seriously, tries way too hard to do just about everything, and he perfectly embodies the ensign who's got way too much to prove. He yeah. does, yeah. No, and there's a, a scene where he's where like he's um just you know walking around at Bucknar, but he's got his phaser rifle, his his sidearm phaser, he's got a tricorder, he's got some other thing strapped to him. Like it's yeah. just it's 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 really good of uh, being over eager. Yeah. And we, we've we've said this before. We haven't really gotten this kind of character before. Like the, the last ensign we had was Wesley and he was an overachiever and he was great at everything. And Nog has had to struggle like yeah. he could barely read before he got into the academy. Mm. This has not been easy for him. So he's trying so hard to make it. And we, we just haven't had a guy like that before. Like yeah. all the junior officers have been great. And for the first time, we got someone who's just got to, you know, got to struggle. And it's it's really interesting to see, I think. Mm. Also, I I give uh, what's his name Aaron Eisenberg credit for. Is that his name? I yes. think so. Uh, yeah, uh, t- I give him total credit. Like he he does some really good acting in this. Like like you say, Flonk, a lot of the stuff he does just uh, he's he's filled this new role that they've given Nog very well. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like sometimes the characters grow in ways that maybe the actors can't keep up with, but he can totally he he can totally nail this, and it's mm. good. Um, then there think, also I, was um, Nog saying that he can't just drop everything he does to go and do a crazy Ferengi <laughs> thing. Yeah, Starfleet officers don't just drop everything and go off on side missions that, that involve only their people. Yeah. In other news, Worf does not appear in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they give us 70 weeks of vacation a year. Actually, it's Cap- a lot like that. Captain, I regret to inform, are you going away on more Ferengi, or on more Klingon stuff? I... Well, uh, yes, actually. Fine. Is Dex going with you this time? No, not this time. All Good. right. All right. Give me your time card stamp. All right. <laughs> I understand she's your wife. She's got to go with you sometimes. But damn it, she's my best friend. <laughs> meanwhile, no- meanwhile, Nog's like, Captain, I need to go on a mission to save my grandmother. No, get out of here. <laughs> Excuse me. His grand Moogie. Ugh. Yeah. I still do not like Moogie. I think it's just a way too cheap, easy, dumb. Yep. Like- uh, Moogie uh, uh. sounds like mommy. I, I don't like it. Um, but there was, you know, there was a fair amount to like. I I feel like Quark didn't have enough to do. I feel like, like, like I was saying before, everyone's got to have their role in these kind of stories, yeah. and his role was sort of the straight man, and he didn't get to do anything fun. I don't think that's the thing. I like all. Well, of he was characters. he was kind of the, think... the leader, and I thought he did a good job with that. Yeah. All right, as far, as, I, far as the, uh... I, I feel like he wasn't Quark enough. Mm. Yeah. Like when you got people who are more greedy than he is, and more duplicitous, and more this and more, you know, they get to be, they get to do all the fun stuff that that Quark usually gets to do, and he didn't get to do yeah. as much. I thought. But, yeah, no, I like all of, like I like all of these guys. Maybe yeah, and wrong, we have so seen most of them one, before. But uh, but I even like the new guy. I think is an excellent sort of addition to the Ferengi. Uh, oh, the psych the, the Ferengi culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. 
there's got to be because it makes total sense that they're like most Ferengi are not tough, but mercenary fits perfectly with a with a greedy society. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And this guy, do, you know, like does mercenary things for money. What like, and it kind of it fits better too with with the older version of the Ferengi that we first met. Yeah, yeah. Like he's one of the guys that was out on the Marauders with the uh, laser whips back in the day. Yeah. yeah, Flunk, you were very disappointed I in was. the lack of laser whips. I was. I figured it's, it's an action episode with a bunch of Ferengi. There's got to be some laser whips now. Are there, Are seriously, are there laser whips ever again? Yes, there are laser whips in one episode of Enterprise. Yeah, but Enterprise takes place hundreds of years before. So, I mean, like, I think they just stopped using, like, going forward chronologically. They phased out the laser whips yeah. like, when, once they like, lost some disruptors. The only the only time we see them again is when we when we see them in the past. Yeah. It's like you guys realize we can get guns now, right? We don't that need was, we don't need I, to I, have laser whips anymore. Every Ferengi had a different gun. That was weird. Mm-hmm. And Quark's got his great little like uh Derringer, like uh I think that's what you called it, Flunk. The, yeah, the, yeah, the little the lady's gun. Derringer. But I, I like I think that's the same one he had in the little box that he's had since he li- worked on the freighter. And yep. I like I like the idea either Quark has a lucky gun or he's too cheap to buy a better gun. <laughs> either one works, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, those are both fine. But again, I and and part of this is based on Armin Shimmerman's actual quote. He's like, "Yeah, I just got to sit back and watch everybody else do cool stuff." Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a very gracious way to say I didn't have much to do in yeah, this episode. No, what, yeah, no, I would rather watch uh, Quark have stuff to do. Yeah, it it just it didn't it felt like a Ferengi episode and not a Quark episode. Yeah, which is the downside of you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, what else? What else? Was there a B? There wasn't a B story in this one, was there? No, just mm-hmm. a lot of running around ridiculousness. I think I would have. Yeah, liked there was a little bit of padding better. since there was no B story. Oh yeah. God, there was. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes. Not not a ton. Not like in some you know like really slow next gen episodes, for instance. There was enough to be noticeable though. Yeah, like they spend a good chunk of uh, that was the time on Empok Nor running back and forth for no real reason. Yeah, where they think Kivon's going to escape and then he doesn't. Yeah, and they well, he gets on the ship they... and, and Quark goes, "Yeah, we disabled the ship." Well, then why'd you run and yeah. catch me? I don't know. Seemed like the thing to do. I yeah. think they even mentioned that they did that just to keep those guys on their toes or something like that, you know. No, his uh, his thing was, I told my brother to uh, lock de- to uh, disable the ship. Well, then why'd you run after me? Well, sometimes he doesn't do things right. Well, because for some reason he's reverted back to ROM 1.0, so he's an idiot. <laughs> Probably better I keep an eye on him. Actually, in that case, Quark might have a point. Yeah. I broke like 18 things on the way over here, brother. <laughs> Certainly knocked over all the barrels. Well, that'll that'll stop any Klingons from catching us. So good job with that, I suppose. <laughs> Donkey Kong is the most difficult game to play on Kronos. <laughs> How high can you get? <laughs> well, that is the question. Grabs a ballast. Well, we've managed. Well, we managed to lure him into the Spring Factory. <laughs> Are those? Eyes? <laughs> Not really clear what's happening here. <laughs> Anyone want to explain the plot of this game to me? Mm, no. No. <laughs> like, I, I get the construction site, but what? The pie factory, come on. Yeah, you know, the old pie factory. <laughs> the spring and pie works. <laughs> uh, so Moogie was off having her lobes lifted, because lobes, uh-huh. ears, uh, lobes. I'm just going to point this out right now. Didn't look that good. Eh. Someone got ripped off. Yeah, Someone named her. 
<laughs> Someone named Moogie? Yes! Also, I just I was not super clear on why this other Vorta was valuable to them in any meaningful way. Like, well, I mean, they were going to... Well, basically, they it. wanted to find out what he told the Federation. Right. Yeah. So but, they, yeah. Was he worth all of this, though? I don't no. think so, no. Well, that was my theory, that Iggy Pop is not a very good Vorta, and so they just kind of put him on this bullshit mission. That would explain why he got fooled by some really obvious stuff. Yep. Yeah. That's but they also gave him all the Gem Hadar, so... Yeah, he did have a whole, like, battalion of guys. Mm. That might just be a standard compliment for a ship. You never know. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I, I have all these guys? Yeah. I'm going to bring them all out with me. And they're because like he's a brother. You, could just, you could just grow a million of them. <laughs> That's but, a yeah. fair point, yeah. That did make a good well, visual, so much though. That, that did make a good visual, though, when, when Nog, like, peeks open the door. And there's, like, 50 of them. Yep. Just, like... They're in that upper railing area of the promenade, and just like you can see nothing but them. That was that looked pretty cool. I love he runs back to the group, and he's all like, "You, there's a whole ton of Jemadar out there. We gotta hide." Yeah, dun dun dun. And That's then the, the waiter's like, like, "Wait, we want wait. We were waiting for these guys to show up." Yeah, we called them. Oh yeah. Oh, that was a why? good cliffhanger resolution. <laughs> but yeah, then then like the, the just the rom stuff, like the. When he says, uh, now we can get our 50 bars of latinum. Oh, God. It's 20. Oh, damn it. Ugh. You're better than that, dude. Ah, whatever. This is dumb, you know? Yep. This is dumb and it's easy. Well, Matt, you have a note here. Stopped watching episode in favor of looking for pictures of Chase Masterson. Yeah, I stand by that choice. I, I That's fine. She was yeah. looking particularly good in this. Yeah, she was. So there's that. Wait, are you refer referring to the Flash's own Chase Masterson? I apparently am. All right. I realized I like typing out FCA because with the periods in it, you have to type it like he says it. F-C-A. -C -A. So, <laughs> I, I, without spoiling anything specifically, I assume Brunt comes back because he's one of those characters that appears about once a season. I think yeah. so. I know specifically there's an episode with both Brunt and Wayun in it. They don't oh, share any right, scenes right, right. together, yeah, yeah, but there is yet. one with both of them. Yeah, Jeffrey Coombs has to put on elaborate makeup twice. Yep. <laughs> that is a fucking trooper right there. Now, does yeah. he actually get to meet himself? Because No, that would be nice. Crossed. Yeah, but my question is, are he and Quark now friends because of this experience? Oh, God, no. Or are they still enemies? Like, I... I, well, this good. You, like, you mentioned earlier that pretty much everybody hated Brunt. He just seems I like love a kind that. of a I love douchebag that works average, the IRS. Yeah, yeah. Your average Ferengi is just like, ugh, one of these guys. So that's a fair point. I'm just, I'm just curious if he's out to destroy Quark anymore, or if this at least has made them, you know, no, less no. Adversary. Yeah, maybe no. It, it just goes back to just doing his job instead of being a personal thing. No, right. now he needs to get back to, into being in the FCA, so he's got enough power to fuck with Quark again. Ah, that's fair. Like, he can't fuck with anyone right now, because yeah. no one gives a shit what he thinks. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, and when then, Dr. Doom uh, and the Submariner put their uh, differences aside so they can go and, and fight the Accursed Richards. Mm-hmm. That was one of the nerdiest things I've ever heard you say, and I've known you for like 10 years, and you've said so many nerdy things. <laughs> There's no way that that is the nerdiest thing that's ever been said on a Star Trek podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, the nerdy, that I personally have heard you personally say. Not the nerdiest thing on this show, just you. I wish yeah. Dr. Doom had been in this episode. That would have yeah. been fun. Yeah. And also... He could have been, 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 been the seventh guy that they got for the group. 
You would have seen uh, the ship go land in uh, in Latveria. They would have gotten out. You wouldn't have heard what they were talking about. They just all would have gotten back into the ship, and then Rom would have shown uh, Quark seven fingers. <laughs> uh, right, speaking then. of Marvel Comics, actually, I, I have this note, and I don't know what it means. It just says Lou Ferengi. Uh, That's what I was about to ask you about, Lou Ferengi. I, I don't know. <laughs> No, but that is a wonderful segue into the story of you uh, arm wrestling Lou Ferrigno once. That's true. I did do that once. That was the first time I met you in person was at Chicago, Wizard World Chicago in, uh, I think, 2004. Yeah, 2006, I think. 2005. Yeah. And, yeah, we're we're hanging out at at the bar, and um, we see Lou Ferrigno sitting at the bar having a drink. And I decided that I was going to arm wrestle him for some reason. (laughs) You arm wrestled uh, the Hulk. Now, how many and drinks so, did you say you had in you at this point? Oh, this was this was late in the night. I actually thought <laughs> I'd already gone to bed by this point, but apparently not. No, no, I had. Um, I heard about it later. Okay. I didn't see it. I heard about it after the fact because I had gone to bed. And um, yeah, so I go up and I you know shake his hand. Oh, thanks. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, can I arm wrestle you? And first he's a no, no. Because I, yeah. I didn't give him any money, so obviously he doesn't want to engage me. But then one of those he won't let go of my he won't let go of my arm, and so then I realize he, he actually does want to go, <laughs> and so boom pins me right away. Of course, pins me a second time, and then like all right, this is great. Thank you very much. This this made my night. And he goes, no, 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 best out of three, and then. <laughs> And then, uh, so so we're going, and and it's it's even. I'm I'm not losing, but I'm not winning either. But but I'm I'm still holding my own. And uh-huh. uh, and you figure he's sitting, I'm standing. Um, I'm left-handed, using my right arm, so he's got a little bit of an advantage. But I'm still I'm still doing all right. And um and then I just look him straight in the eye, and I go, "You're fucking with me, aren't you?" And he goes, "Yes." And then bam, <laughs> that was the end. <laughs> that is that is fantastic. I hadn't heard that part of the story. That's great. <laughs> I just heard you arm wrestled the Hulk. I didn't realize there was more to it than that. Yeah, yeah. God damn. I've never heard that story before. Yep. And this is why we hang out at Comic-Cons. Yep. <laughs> stuff like that can happen. Speaking of which, actually, Matt yes. and I will be at the Emerald City Comic-Con. Uh, and uh, and uh, I will too now, actually. Yes, that is will, excellent but, news. I mean, we'll be at the table plugging the show. But yes, you will be in the vicinity. I'm actually, sure I'll be at the table too. Most most of our regular guests will be there, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate will be there. Amanda will be there. Bob will be there. Um, Brian, you. So everyone but Gav, basically. Yeah. Which, you know, being over in England, he can't just pop over here. But, uh, you know. Well, I mean, he did one year. He did. And that was amazing. Mm-hmm. We'll but, just uh, uh, so, yeah. draw. We'll make a little Gav mask for somebody to wear. Yeah, that'll, that'll be. That won't be creepy at all. No, nah, not at all. Or we'll, or, and, and we got to make a little smound for him as well. Oh, of course. Oh, yes. It, but yeah, so if if uh, if you are a listener, if you are going to be in the Seattle area, you should uh, come check us out. Yeah, we are at uh, table FF03, hmm. right next to our good friend Chris Page, who will be at uh, table FF04. So, should be a good time. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, anything else? Um, oh, Flunk, you have a or Matt rather? No, Flunk, Flunk, you have a quote? Yes, yes, I do. What is it? It's this. Hi. I'm wrong. I don't have that in front of me, so I don't know what the hell it was, but I bet it was delightful. It was pretty good. It was just sitcom, more sitcom wackiness. Mm-hmm. Ah, fair enough. All right, and with that, we're going to stop talking? No, that's not what I say. No. See you, folks. Jesus. That's the thing.
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.